1: And welcome to the so-called fantasy experts, fantasy, fantasy baseball podcast. There's too many fantasies in there. Um, welcome to the show tonight. This is episode seven. Uh, Joe Bond, hopefully, will be uh, joining us in a little bit. But right now, it's just me, myself, and I. So it's been a few get weeks of the season. Uh, so I wanted to come on, talk to you guys a little bit about, you know, who's been hot, who's been cold. What do you do? Because I can tell you, for instance, my fantasy life right now is a mess. Um, I've said it before on this podcast, and I will say it again. The first, like I said, the first day of fantasy baseball season is the worst day. And each, I think each consecutive day, it gets slightly less worse just because your team, you want it to come out fast. You want everybody to have career years. Um, And sometimes it just doesn't happen. Uh I was watching the Blue Jays game before Russell Martin. A lot of guys loved him as a sleeper catcher. I think he has two hits this season. Uh Adam Eaton is a big, big uh guy on my teams. I drafted him, I think, on four of my teams. I thought he was definitely gonna have a breakout here this year. And he can't hit. Like I literally all I wanted from a birthday, which was last Sunday. You can wish me well on Twitter at the real Travioli if you've missed it. Um, and I, I do expect some of you to, you know, send me some well wishes. I'm 25. Can you believe that? Anyway, Adam Eaton, all I wanted was a hit for uh, my birthday. He, I think he went two for four the next day with a run. But that's all he's done this season. Uh, it's better than what I got for my birthday last year, which was when Ryan Zimmerman broke his thumb, sliding it to first base. So, it's gonna be it's gonna be some nice discussion here about how you handle that into the season, how to deal with the injuries, how to deal with the free agent market, and I think we finally got Joe on. Let us see if he's there. Joe, you here?
0: Hey, yeah, I'm here. What's going on, man?
1: Joe, you had me talking for rambly for three minutes without you. I was lost.
0: <laughs> Sorry, man. Skype had to update.
1: <laughs> no worries, no worries. You made it. Uh, all right. I was just telling the listening public that I find the beginning of the season, fantasy baseball season, to just be terrible. Um, I don't know how much you heard of my whole thing, but I just want my team to play well at the beginning of the season. And I know you don't want your team to peak in April, but right. I I have Adam Eaton, and he can't hit for his life. (laughs) How do you? What's what's? What are your thoughts? How do you deal with that kind of stuff? Are you are you just better at? looking past the first couple weeks than I am?
0: Uh, As impatient of a person I am, I've learned to be patient with fantasy baseball. (laughs) You have to be or you're going to drive yourself nuts. Um, In fact, I've written in articles for years now during the first couple weeks um, it is the best time for owners uh, who are patient because you get to to feast off the waiver wire of all the of all the owners who, who drop players like an Adam Eaton or I had, you know, I've had people drop Steven Souza in my leagues. Like he's a rookie. He's going to have bad times. He happens to be in one right now. And then as soon as uh, I picked him up, he hits two home runs. Um, so, you know, luckily for me, I am I'm able to take advantage of that. Um, you just got to be patient during the first couple of weeks. I mean, you drafted these guys for a reason. Um, now, I mean, there's certain players as early on that if if you you know you clearly just took them just because well let's let's see what happens you don't have a lot of stock you don't have a lot of hope in them and then they start off poor there's somebody obviously like really good on the waiver wire go ahead and make the swap but guys like Adam Eaton you got you gotta you gotta hang on to guys like them
1: oh I have no interest in dropping Adam Eaton. Uh, I think it's just a mental thing for me. Like, I just – I don't like seeing 100s in my batting average, Kyle. Oh, of
0: course. Yeah, the early season's horrible. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to look at these horrible batting averages. And then you go on the waiver wire and you see guys batting 500. You're going, what's the matter with my guy? Like, <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> so, yeah. My, my players are much better. Um, it's tough. I don't know. The pitching, I, I like what you said there about how you could sort of feast off of the other guys. Uh, most of my leagues, people jump in really early. To the, uh, the free agent pool, the way of mm-hmm. Um I kind of like that. I like watching, all right, somebody drop this person who triggers another team to drop another person, and eventually, like, it's sort of like that guy who traded a paperclip and eventually traded his way all the way up to a house. Like, each successive person is yeah. going to trade somebody I, or drop somebody I like a little better. Um, like, I think somebody dropped uh, nobody really good today. Somebody dropped Wade Davis a couple days ago in one of my leagues. Yeah. So they just didn't want him. Like, that. He has a win and a save already, and I'll take those stats.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm in a a 14-team league that's got, you know, second-base shortstop and a middle infielder. And somebody dropped Brandon Phillips. Like, I know Brandon Phillips isn't good, but he should be owned in a (laughs) league where we have to start a middle infielder and we've got 14 teams. So my middle infield is complete junk right now because they're all injured. I've got Rendon and uh, Hardy. (laughs) And so I'm Uh, like, I'm glad to have
1: Brandon Phillips on my team right now. I've been thinking about J.J. Uh, J. Hardy. Like every time I see him sitting there on the free agent pool, oh, like, absolutely. like oh, man, Joe's probably so upset he has not as a shortstop in every league. Just um, about. But this is a nice transition because I wanted to ask you what um, what are your thoughts about sort of rostering those injured players? Um, I know some leagues have IR spots, some leagues don't, and I'm like obviously, if you pick Rendon, you're not going to cut him because he's no. hurt. But. Uh, I'm in a league where you can only have one injured guy, like one DL spot. So it's sort of hard to decide do I use this for a pitcher, do I use it for the mm-hmm. batter. How do you what, – what do you do with that kind of situation?
0: Uh, I mean, it depends It depends on a lot of factors, a couple of things, size of the league, number of DL spots. But let's just go with a standard like 12-team league, one, maybe two DL spots. I think that's kind of your norm. Um, yeah,
1: not too many Leagues I see carrying like unlimited DLs or anything like that.
0: Yeah, so, I so think one or two. I mean, obviously, if you got the DL spot open, slot them in there. That's the easy decision. Now, it's the situation where if you've got three players, three, four players on the DL, and you've only got one or two spots, what do you do? You know, if you've got Rendon, um, Carlos Gomez, um, you know, people like that, you, you've just got to bite the bullet. It's it's a long season. It also depends on the format of the league you play. Like, is it roto? If it's roto, you can hang on to these guys a lot longer because you can make it up later on. If it's head-to-head, that's tough because if you get a hole real – you know, you can get yourself into a hole real fast.
1: Yeah. And
0: you can't climb out of it sometimes in a head-to-head league. So – sometimes you've got to just make the hard decision and cut the guy. But I mean, if you're talking about these like top 20 players, there's just no way you can get rid of them. Maybe you can trade them for a little bit less if you just absolutely need the roster spot, but realize you are going to get less back for these guys at the moment.
1: Yeah. I saw, uh, this might've actually been in our fan tracks league. I think somebody traded Rendon for Puig because he was hurt, which I thought was not a bad deal. Um, was it Rendon
0: for a Week? Yeah, it was. Some, I, yeah, I remember what trade you're talking about, and I was just thinking to myself, like that was an interesting. That was an interesting trade. I wasn't. I wouldn't have done that. Um, I'm yeah, trying this, to find it actually now this, that you're.
1: Now is well. He looks for that. This this is our Fantrax League. We play in Dynasty League. Slugging for Jude with Chris Myers. Um, I think Sabian Taylor is in it. A few other of us so-called Fantrax mm-hmm. experts are, are in it. Uh, and the guy came out, like, I think even before the season may have started, just saying, I have Rendon, who's was my first pick. Uh, I want to trade him because he's hurt. And I he emailed me asking for Corey Seager, or not Corey Se- Kyle Seager, not Corey Seager, Kyle Seager and uh, somebody else. Uh, we never got the deal done, but then he traded him for Puig, which if I was the guy trading Puig, I don't know why I would value Anthony Rendon so much more
0: yeah, it was than, Rendon for Puig.
1: Then Puig over cuz this is a dynasty league, so we could keep this guy forever like 4 or 5 years. I don't know, I don't know if Puig's going to be that much better than Rendon to sort of make that switch. I I don't know. I thought it was a fair trade all around, but Yeah, I mean
0: probably it's, probably it's pretty even. Better. I guess I have to I'd have to look at both teams to see who they have. Um but yeah, I mean I, I probably would not have traded somebody with the like of uh Puig to take an injured guy who hopefully is going to be back at the end of the month. We don't know. Um, you know, I yeah. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the guy who got Puig and he's got Robinson Cano at second base, so he's good there. Third base is Middlebrook, so that's not great. Um so he probably could have he probably actually should have held on because his outfield is pretty good. Blackman, Kemp, JD Martinez, Soler. He's got some outfielders um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised he did that move and didn't just hang on to him, considering we've got DL spots and it's a huge roster. It's like I've got DL guys all over my roster, and it doesn't even matter right now. Um,
1: yeah, there's a it, it's a pretty deep player pool there to keep. Yeah, 40 guys, like I,
0: 40 t, 40 guys is huge.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting wrinkle to this day. Like I'm trying to look to pick up people sometimes, and I'm like I don't I don't even know what i'm looking at like these are just there's, middle yeah,
0: relievers
1: they're middle relievers <laughs> and utility infielders. yeah
0: if you um, want pitching it ain't there
1: <laughs> it, it really isn't and i got auto picked some a lot of corner and fielders, no pitching anyway that's oh god i complain about that like every day um <laughs> it's so tough but i think the injury thing that i've tend to one one trick that i like to sort of use uh in some of these leagues not the real deep ones um I kind of like stashing those injured guys if they are dropped. Um, I will usually hold on to a guy probably for a month. So say somebody like, yeah, not not Rendon, but like J.J. Hardy or Denard Span is a good example. Uh, maybe Alex Cobb. Like if, if he was on the waiver wire and I had room to pick him up, uh, and there wasn't even like a DL spot. He was just sitting on my bench. I think I could go about a month. So probably it's the middle of May before I'm like, okay, this guy may not be coming back for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. which then poses an interesting question because it's like, okay, I already kept him for six weeks. Should I keep him another two weeks and hope he comes back? Then it's like, like the opportunity cost of like, oh, when do I get rid of him? Um, yeah,
0: you're invested at that point. So <laughs> it's, like,
1: it's like I could have I could have picked up some, lowered tier pitcher or something. Uh, it's a it's worked for me a few times. It's also totally backfired a few times just because like there's been much better people that have like come up off the waiver wire that I should have been looking for, but I'm like, Oh, I have Alex Cobb. I don't need another pitcher in two months. I'm going to be set. And then he just never comes back. Yeah. Um, have you ever tried absolutely. anything like that? Does that ever?
0: Oh, absolutely. In fact, in basketball, it, it, I do it all the time and it burns me every single time. It seems like I had the worst luck with, with, uh, with basketball and that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you get, it's it's the game of how early do you go in, and yeah, obviously it depends on the player. If if somebody's going to drop, you know, somebody like Rendon randomly, obviously you go all in on them. Uh,
1: I know it's hard to it's hard it's, to come up with injury examples right now because it seems like the only people who are injured are the best players, like Carlos yeah, Gomez. Oh, it really is. It's like it's hard to be like, oh. uh Let's say a top 100 outfielder is dropped, like or something like that, like Josh Reddick. Uh, well, like, on- like to me, the-
0: Michael Saunders is the started, start of the year in the DL. You know, it's, it's how early do you go in on him? Um, he'll he should be back by the end of the month, and and I I think he if he could stay healthy, he could be a 2020 guy. He's almost done it once before, um, when he had a little less than a season at, uh, of a bats. but you know. I had a DL spot, so I went and grabbed him, um, and put him on my DL, and have been stashing him. But in another league, like I don't think I could hang on to somebody like Michael Saunders. Like he's kind yeah. of a big question mark. He's big injury risk every single year. Um, he's good when he plays, but you know I'm not burning we, a roster spot for him probably.
1: Yeah, especially a guy like him who does get hurt so much. Uh that does it complicates things, but. I uh, I can see the injury thing It's not going to be pleasant for most of us fantasy owners this season. It just seems like it's going to be a bad injury year. Um, whatever, but it just, it's just it frustrates me. I have a friend do like and I I had him as a keeper. I had to declare my keepers. A week later, he goes on the DL, and I had um I can't ever think of his name third baseman for the Reds Todd Frazier. I had Todd Frazier at the same mm-hmm. dollar value. So I could have kept Todd Frazier instead of and bought Rendon for less. I think about this all the time.
0: Uh, yeah, nothing you can do about it, man. You can't beat yourself up about it, you know?
1: I know. I, like, literally, I can't watch Reds games anymore. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but that does bring me to a whole new topic here with the injuries. Say you do have an injury, uh, trades are always an option. Uh, are you a fan of early season trading? I know some people hate it because, like you said before, it's too early this season to really know. Like, oh, I'm deficient in RBIs, or I'm gonna have bad pitching, um, or are you a guy who thinks like, okay, I know what my team is, I know I have no strikeout pitchers, I gotta go get one. Uh, when do when do you like to jump in the trade market, or do you just ignore the trade market altogether?
0: I mean, uh, I'm always up for trading, um, to you know, to help improve your team. Um, if you know after the draft you're going to be deficient in a certain category, by all means, try and go out and improve it—waiver wire, um, free agents, trading, whatever works. What I hate is after the draft you go. I'm really good at home runs, but you own guys like Donaldson, um, uh, uh, first baseman, was- Texas Blanken, oh, uh, fielder. Of- you know, you guys, you own guys like Donaldson, Fielder, guys who haven't hit any yet, and they're normal, twenty-five, thirty home run guys. So you're freaking out, and then you go trade them for a guy who's hit four home runs already, but normally only hits you at twenty. Well, you have now just bought high, sold low, and that's horrible. So be careful. Don't it, it's it's the early season overreaction which always gets people. And, you know, you've just got to calm down, give it. We've Some of these players have 30 at-bats. That's nothing. If this was the middle of the season and they were in a slump where they were batting 100 with zero home runs for a week and a half, but they had already had 10, 15 home runs or already been batting 280 for the year, it you would never be freaking out like this. But because it's early, like you said, and you look at your team and you see the 100 batting average, and that's what their stat is for the entire year so far, you freak out.
1: Yeah. Uh it really does. And I like I know not to freak out about this stuff, but I still do. But it is tough to see like some things like that. Like uh to see another guy on the same team, like, blowing up and you've got the guy who bats right after him in the lineup and he's doing nothing. I can definitely understand why people jump in early. Um I'm in a dynasty league. I already made a big trade. I traded, and this is just me gloating now, listening to this. <laughs> uh, I traded, um, Mookie, not Mookie Betts, Rusney Castillo, Lucas Sims, who's a minor league pitcher for the Braves, and Angelton Simmons for Justin Upton, Danny Salazar, and D.D. Gregorius. Now, I'm probably the only person in the history of the world who's happy to have traded for D.D. Gregorius, but like, I wasn't using Sims. For a year, maybe two. Uh, Castillo's in the minors, and I just need an outfield <laughs> and injured. It's like okay, I'll, yeah. take, I'll take Justin Upton for a middle tier, top fifty, top one hundred pitching prospect an injured Cuban who we don't know anything about, and Hamilton Simmons. So
0: yeah, that's that's a no brainer, man. Like, and that's the thing. So like, uh, I remember we had this conversation a couple weeks ago about our dynasty league where I noticed people were just overly bullish on the prospects. And, like, I grabbed a couple. I got Jock Peterson. I got Betts. And then I kind of stopped. People were just going nuts and taking all these prospects that might not play for the entire year that we know absolutely nothing about um, over proven guys that are going to help them win now. Like, I get it. It's a dynasty league. You need to go and think about your future. But just remember, there will be a new – a new uh, crop of prospects next year, yeah. so it's you need to also win now. Like so, it it makes me laugh in these dynasty leagues, uh, just how you know overly excited everybody wants the next Mike Trout. Like, thank you, Mike Trout. I will now take advantage of everybody in dynasty leagues. I know leagues. it, it <laughs> works
1: know? out really. It works out <laughs> nicely uh, once the draft is done, because people are like, oh, I, they just want to hoard that potential. Um, they want, like, like not to go back to my trade, but Lucas Sims, he's a good pitching prospect. He's not, like, uh, top 10. He's not Noah Syndergaard who might pitch this year. He's not uh, Carlos Rodon, Does that say his name on the White Sox, who, like, looks mm-hmm. like he's going to come up in two months. I have no idea what he's coming up. Right now, he's just, like, a bench guy who's never going to play for me until at least next season. Like, I, I would like to win right now, so I... Absolutely. I've been sort of now just shopping. Like, hey, anybody want to trade for another prospect? I'm willing to move one more. And I've, you know, people people eyes light up when they hear, "Ooh, top prospect for sale." Like they could bomb out. Yeah,
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, how many how many of these guys come up and do nothing? I mean, it's so I I'd rather go after the more proven player. I mean, the only reason why I was kind of high on Peterson and Betts is because, well, Betts played last year and was good yeah. when he came up. And Peterson, that was a little bit of a risk on my part, but um, just the way he was playing in the in the minors and the spring, and I get it, it's spring training, but there's just something about him that I liked, and it seems to be working out pretty well for me. So I've got him on three different teams, and, and you know I like what I yeah. see so far.
1: He's, and he, like, if it was He seemed very major league ready Um, in the spring training when he came up last year for like September call ups or whenever they brought Mm -hmm. him up. He seemed like okay, he can handle this level of competition. And so at least you had some like data of him playing major league pitching. A lot of these guys have only been in Double A. Like you have no idea Mm -hmm. they're going to.
0: Well, when a team moves twenty or something, when a team moves Matt Kemp, so that you can play. I'm pretty yeah, right. sure you're good. Like it, that, that was kind of a big sign to me. Like that they just moved Matt Kemp, their best outfielder, when healthy. Um,
1: well, he was being paid like 120 million dollars, so maybe they were wanted to save still. some cash. <laughs> but yes, I think Peterson was one of the safer ones. Uh, Mookie Betts definitely he played phenomenal at the end of last year. Um, I even think Gregory Polanco was a pretty safe one. To go yeah, well, I mean, year.
0: he, yeah, I mean, he's he played last year too, so yeah.
1: Yeah, he played last year. He wasn't great last year, but again, nobody except for Mike Trout, nobody comes in and is like dominant right away. It takes time to adjust to pitching, to hit a curveball from Kershaw or somebody like that. So, I'm all. Well, I remember
0: Trout actually wasn't very good the very first time he came up. He was yeah. he was bad. He got sent back down.
1: Yeah, he got sent back down. The he came up, like the second half of the year before he broke out. I think, right? Uh yeah. Yeah, and then they didn't call him up and then they called him up in like April cuz they were bad, and then they won like 80 of their next 120 games or something. Mhm. Yeah,
0: 2011 he came up for 40 games and batted 220. I mean, he did he was kind of like, okay, who is this guy? And then he came up in 2012 at the end of uh, at the end of April and <laughs> the best player in baseball. I mean, <laughs>
1: It really must. Crazy. Like I wonder. I wonder how many people in dynasty leagues were like, okay, f this, I'm done with Mike Trout. He came up, he did nothing, and like, or traded him for cheap or something, and then just to the next year see him turn into the greatest player ever. I
0: am. I'm absolutely sure that happened. I mean, I
1: don't it, think I would ever play fantasy baseball again. <laughs> it's like, it's like you could take this Mike Trout guy in a throw-in trade. Oh God. Um, the next year when he did come up he he would have been a waiver acquisition for a lot of leagues unless it mm-hmm. was these were these deeper ones um and since we are two weeks into the season, some of these guys, like we said before, are jumping into the waiver pool, so I wanted to go over just a few of you know some waiver guys that have been you know hot commodities um the first one being I don't even know how to say his last name Khanna, Mark Markana on Oakland. Oh, Marcana?
0: Yeah, um, I don't know I think what, how you pronounce his name too, but Mark, yeah, Markana. I know who you're if talking about.
1: If we're saying it wrong, Mark, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> uh, let us know. But it just this seems like such a prototypical Oakland thing to have happened. The year you think they're going to be bad, they traded everybody away, and then they've, they're scoring runs at a pretty good clip. I mean, they've had a few bad games, but. Do you have any faith in Mark Khanna? Are you picking him up in your I don't know, like a 12 team league? For a 16 team 20 team league, yeah, I think you should definitely pick him up. But yeah. how how shallow of a league would you consider adding such a hot guy like Kanna?
0: Um I I think I'd probably I I'd hesitate to to pick him up in a 14 team league or in a 12 team league. Um the reason being is when Reddick returns just not really sure where the playing time is going to come from for him. Yeah. Um, so
1: I, I, I'm not high on him either. Um, like I, I do have a lot of, I have a lot more faith than most people. I think in this Oakland like voodoo that they do to whoever they get there. <laughs> like, like they get Scott Casmere and he's great. They get he's just sort of broken down in pieces and turn him into something. I have more faith than I think a lot of people do in Until that. The playoffs. <laughs> Until, yeah, but there's no – it doesn't matter in the playoffs. I know, like, I know. I'm just Billy like really of... Bean's stuff doesn't work in the playoffs. Whatever happens to him in the playoffs doesn't matter for me. So I don't care. Uh, I do feel yeah, bad I mean, for
0: him. In, in AL-only leagues and, and maybe 14-plus team leagues, go ahead and, and, and grab him. But just realize that when Josh Reddick comes back and it looks like he's going to be back this weekend, um, Conor's oh, probably going to – Oh, did he already come back? I I read something that maybe it's old. Yeah,
1: I think he. Played, oh yeah, yeah, that is it's a couple of weeks old. I think or his it first is, a days is old. Sunday night, but but still, um, Coco Crisp is out. I don't know who they're who they're playing at center right now. Maybe Craig Gentry. Um, they're they're bagged up, so they definitely have some room for him. But I just I don't I don't usually jump on the hottest commodity on nah. the market after after ten games. Um. I know some people do try to, like, stream those offensive players, um, like where you'll pick up the hot guy for two weeks, drop him for the next hot guy, try to run through that for April. And you know what? Sometimes that does work for April just because you can get guys who are on just an unbelievable hot streak for a month. Mm -hmm. But after that hot streak, you're going to need a person to play from May until September. uh, And if you dropped somebody who started off slowly, it just it just seems like a bad idea to me. I don't even like streaming pitchers, to be honest. I just I don't like not having like uh, faith to or desire to keep players after more than one start. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I I agree. I I kind of dislike streaming, but I realize it's also kind of a necessary evil in in some leagues. But uh, yeah, I tend not to try and do it. I, I like to have reliable guys. If I find somebody I like, I'm hang, I'm hanging on to him. Which is another strategy I do if people are streaming early on, I will go grab the guy they dropped and I remember one like two years ago I got Tyson Ross off the waiver wire in like middle of May or something, and he was crazy. I mean
1: Tyson Ross has a special place in my heart after <laughs> i after dominating last year for the minimum budget I've paid for him um, I have an interesting one for you to ask you about though right now is um Kevin Grossman. Uh, I think he's probably hmm. the best pitcher on the Orioles, but he's not a starter. Do you? Would you hold on to a guy like that? I have him in one league. I kept him one league. I dropped him. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, and he hasn't pitched great so far. I know he's working on some new pitches, and so maybe he's just sort of smoothing out his delivery or getting a handle, on. I think he's throwing a curveball again. Um, I, we, we, what do you think? For a would you hold out to him? You, would you drop him and sort of wait until he gets
0: yeah. back in the rotation? Man, as, as an Orioles fan, this one kills me. Like, he should absolutely be in the rotation. Um, Baldo Jimenez is, is, I don't know what he's doing to somehow be pitching well again. So we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, I don't know what to do with him. He, I mean, honestly, at this point, I think, I think you've got to drop him until the, the Orioles make a move. I mean, unless unless you're in a really deep league where a middle reliever guy just eating innings, getting some extra strikeouts, is going to do you well, um, then no, Gosman's kind of worthless in fantasy leagues. Um, I, I just, you know, I I wanted him, and in a lot of my leagues in in my two early March drafts. He got picked up before I was comfortable taking him, and thankfully so. Now, yeah, um, in my later in my later drafts, uh, I just avoided him because I had heard the rumblings that they were gonna pick Ubaldo Jimenez over him, and and I mean, what was he gonna do? Obviously, Britain's the closer. O'Day's the setup guy. Like Gosman was gonna be middle relief, long innings guy, and that was it. And that doesn't serve you a lot of good in in fantasy leagues. You know, even in leagues with holds, he's not going to get a lot of holds.
1: Um, yeah. Um, so I, I too was targeting him in a lot of my drafts, just because I thought uh, Marcus Stroman got so much of that like breakout pitcher hype last year, like as a rookie. I, I kind of felt like people were forgetting about Gosman. Obviously, in your drafts, they were not forgetting about Gosman. Um, but people were taking Marcus Stroman like I thought way too early, and I love Marcus Stroman. But I was like, okay, I can't get Stroman. I can get Gosman. He's probably not going to strike out as many people, but he's got great offense behind him. He's going to get wins who they could pick. And it really, like I, it's a tough situation for me because I want to, I have more faith in him to be a better, like a good starting pitcher than if I picked up Ubaldo Jimenez or like a, a Willie Peralta or something who's on the waiver wire right now. I have more faith in Gossman to be a front-end talent but I just don't know when he's going to be that front end talent, which, which killed me. And if <laughs> I didn't even know you were an Orioles fan or I might, have. but I didn't mean to bring up uh, such a story. Uh, it's, it's all right. <laughs> but uh, it's, Oh God, I, I just, for even just the sake of baseball, I want him to start. I think he's like, uh, I read somewhere that his average fastball velocity is like incredibly high. He has a, I just want to see him pitch is basically what I'm, I'm trying to say. Um, so I think I probably will drop him in the other one. I think he would be an interesting guy. I'm gonna watch closely for the rest of the season, I can definitely say that. Um I don't know. I hope he comes I hope he comes back. What what do you think about Jimenez pitching a one hitter against um, the Blue Jays? Or do you have just zero faith in him to ever do anything useful again? Or
0: I mean, he, he seems to do this like every couple of years where he has these great years or these great stretches, but nah, I really just don't have a lot of faith in the guy. I mean, his his control is atrocious. I mean, it, it last yeah. year, it was just pitiful. We just kept giving him chances, and I never really understood why. We paid him all the money, I guess maybe that's why, but... And I say we, because I'm an Orioles fan, but uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, he he walked five and a half batters per nine innings last year. That is yeah. pathetic, and sadly enough, that wasn't his career high. Oh, what?
1: What was his career high? Oh no, was- sorry,
0: that's uh, that's in the minors. He had oh. he had a uh, a five point seven in the minors, and uh, that was one game. So I'm I'm looking at some bad stats here, but um,
1: either, either way, walking five batters a
0: game, five and a half high. every night is is pretty pretty terrible. Um. So, I mean, clearly he's not going to keep up throwing one-hitters. But, you know, I mean, who knows? If he can be the pitcher he was two years ago for the Indians, I'll, I'll gladly take him. Um, you know, maybe Bud Norris, who's struggling right now, moves to the bullpen or, or something like that. But I think eventually one of these guys is going to falter and Gaussman will come in. I'm just not sure when
1: yeah I think they definitely have to put him in, um even besides the fact that they he's like their top prospect, he's just so good that you need to play your better players um so hopefully he can get in there soon, hopefully we can pick him up before anybody else does, and Right. Wanna, like cause this is really gonna bother me now if, if like until we feel like off is in the rotation, then I don't have him uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen, but I these like I also think the Orioles have sort of been jerking him around a little too much. Like last year they were sort of starting him and then sending him to the, weren't they sending him to like the minors to pitch on off days or something? Yes. Like that's just weird to me. Uh, And I don't know, maybe he was fine with it. I just think it messes with your confidence a little bit to be like, all right, you're pitching in the majors. All right, get out of here. Go to the minors. All right, come back. You're in relief now. Okay. Now you're pitching again. Not to fault your, Team at all, but like I'm a big <laughs> fan, and our best players, in uh, so, so
0: <laughs>
1: this, I can't say too much to you, but it just it was it was weird to me, and I was sort of hesitant to even jump on the bandwagon last year because I didn't know what they were going to do with him. Like it's he just needs a role; he really does. Oh, yeah, so
0: I bad. think that does a lot. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it does a lot for pitchers. You know, if you can, if you can. Get a consistent role, and you know you're going to be that in that role for an extended period of time. Then sometimes it lifts the weight off your shoulders, and you can just go pitch or go play instead of having to worry about always performing at you know to your best. Oh, I can't mess up! I can't mess up! Every mess up means I might go back down or I might go back to the bullpen. When You've always got that weighing on you. You're gonna, you're bound to screw up. You know, we see it in it. Yeah. We see it in all sports.
1: I mean. It's just a little confidence in the guy, I think, will go a long way. And they seem to be saying all the right things this year and showing confidence in him. But uh, I think the best vote of confidence would, to just start him, let him pitch uh, some games. And he did well last year. I think he had a 3-5 ERA. And he pitched. He wasn't pitching against, like, the NL West, or I think he was pitching in the AL East. So I think that yeah. should say.
0: Right. The AL say that. East, as you know, wasn't, wasn't all.
1: <laughs> it wasn't the AL East. Was,
0: it, was It wasn't the AL East we used to last season, but uh... – yeah, it's still the ALE. Still a lot of still a lot of hitters' ballparks in there.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's got the league's got better this year. I mean, the Red Sox got better, the Blue Jays got mm-hmm. down, but you know, I don't think it's like uh, night and day different. I think he could still handle it. Um, another guy, waiver wire guy, I wanted to ask you about was Brandon Morrow. Um, how when you were going to waiver wire, you were thinking of picking somebody up? Do you would you? shy away from a guy like Morrow with injury concerns or are you just sort of saying, Screw it, let's ride this ride this out because maybe he stays healthy for half a year and then you get some great pitching out of him. Do you take any uh, like injury concerns into account picking up a guy?
0: I do, but I'm I'm also pretty conservative. Um I uh, I think I'm a little bit more conservative than your than your average Fantasy baseball player. Uh, so, so I I tend to shy away from the injury guys. Although it's not helping me this year, I shy away from injury guys, and I have three injured players on every team. It seems <laughs> like um, this is how this is how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, and I've looked at Morrow because he can absolutely be a dominant pitcher when he pitches, uh, when he's healthy. I, the strikeout numbers are great. Um, so. It's just the injury concern. You just know eventually it's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, just do you want to take the chance on him and possibly miss out on somebody else that could be good for you? I mean, if he, you know, if he can do it for a few more starts in a row, I'll probably miss out on him at this point if it happens. But um, I'm not – I'm probably not going to take the plunge anytime soon.
1: So how many waiver moves would you say you do? Because you said you're pretty conservative. You shy away from most guys. You don't like streaming guys. Are you one of those people who just, I mean, I hope you're pretty good at drafting, but uh, are you just content with what what you've done? And it's like, all right, I only need a few tweaks here, a few tweaks there. Do you usually come out of the draft looking pretty, uh, like one of the top contenders kind of thing?
0: the the last couple of years it seems to be that way for me i mean there's definitely years where my team doesn't perform like i, I thought and i'm always constantly on the waiver wire there's injuries and i'm constantly on the waiver wire um, you know i think i'm still one of the more active teams out there cuz i'm constantly looking to improve i mean if you know every team that you're on has the bottom feeders on your team you're never going to have a stacked all-star team across the board yeah. um so, you know, like if I had – I think last year I had Denard Span for a little while. You know, I, I took him out at one point. I eventually swapped him back in because he was just – I really didn't think he would keep up the pace he was on. But So I swapped him out for somebody else last year who could help me out a little bit more, in, or at least I thought could help me out a little bit more in like RBI and power. Ended up not working. I think I swapped them back in. You know that that kind of stuff. So like, I'll, I'll swap the bottom guys out, but usually with the top talent, I, I leave them alone, even if they're struggling. Um, I think that's kind of typical.
1: Yeah, it uh, it is interesting in, to play in most of these leagues and see those guys who make like, I like I don't know if your any of your leagues have um, transaction limits or they have to pay for transactions, but some of the people I'm in leagues with make like a hundred moves, like they drop a guy. Three days after they picked him up, it just, it's just—it's so frantic. I it doesn't—it doesn't seem to be smart baseball um, to just frantically move, like shuffle your team around and around and around, put new guys in, put new guys out. I personally don't even like to have bench batters. I hate it. No, I don't either. I I, I can't like, and this goes back to the thing we started with is that I get so. Like paranoid, or not even paranoid, but I just double, I overthink everything, all right? Double-guess myself. Second-guess myself. What the hell? Double-guess myself? Uh, I second-guess myself and think, oh, should I play like a Denard Span, or should I play my bench guy like a Dalton Pompey? Like, should I play, who should I do? What should I do this week? Should I look at the matches? Do I look at the hand, which, like, are they right-handed pitchers? Are they left-handed pitchers? Is it a right. hitter's park? It's too much. It drives me crazy. Um, it's
0: it, it's basically turning, when you have bench batters, in my opinion, and sometimes you can't avoid it. I mean, when there's that stud guy on the waiver wire, like, I'm taking him, even if he's a bench bat, because I don't want anybody else to have him.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, like, and that's that's I've different. definitely done that, but I don't like to have bench bats, because then I'm basically playing daily fantasy baseball with my season-long team.
1: Yeah.
0: Hip- and that's not why I'm here. <laughs>
1: I know it, it seems like a good idea because you're going to be like, oh, I can hit the hot streak with my bench guy, and then when he's done, I could put back in my starter, and when my starter struggles, I'll put the bench guy back in. Uh, but that's just too much. And just day-to-day stats vary so much. They're, like You could go over 4 for a week, and then you could bat 600 the next week. But if you're like, oh, I'm already committed to the other guy.
0: Yeah, my luck, I'd miss out on every single one of those streaks.
1: <laughs> bench batters just, they are oh, my God, I hate them. drive me it's nuts. Like, it is the worst thing. And it's, it goes back to when I first started playing fantasy baseball. I'd get, like, a, a bench speed guy. And I'd be like, All right, let's put the bench speed guy in for three days and have him steal a base. And he wouldn't steal a base, so I'd take him out, and then he'd steal some bases. Like, I, you just can't. Yep. There's no way to predict that. Like, at least with pitchers, you can look at matchups. You can look at, you know, how they've been doing recently, and that's sort of a more they, – they don't pitch every day. So there's a little – I think there's a little more um, – it's a little easier to predict like you're not going to have to think okay he could go 0 for four today four for five tomorrow 0 for four two for four like you you have your season stats they'll probably do about that and i just think pitchers also there's not that many of them like there's not that many great ones so i i tend to keep my bench full of pitching options or, or guys who are, might be closers and waiting if i have enough space um it's all about the pitchers for me
0: yeah and 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 I'm no expert on on daily. I, I really don't play all that often. Uh, but it pitchers are easier to predict, I think, than batters, and which is why in fan, in daily they're the most expensive player. They're the player that you also spend the most money on for your team, typically in daily. So it is so that that logic goes into season long, where if you need to play matchups you'd rather play matchups with your pitchers than your hitters because it's yeah. more predictable. A yeah, good hitter and, even against a bad pitcher could still go o and 4 very easily. And it yeah. happens way more often than a than a good pitcher playing against a bad lineup having a bad day.
1: Yeah, although that uh well, Jordan Zimmerman was pitching against the uh, Red Sox. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah, I've got him it. in one of my leagues. That killed me. I was so angry.
1: that <laughs> But he had a, He had the same thing happen to him last year. I had him last year, too. And he had one game where he pitched one in a third inning. So he gave up like eight runs. But then after that, he pitched like 2.5. His ERA was like 2.5. So I have hopefully he just got out of the way earlier. But, um, yeah, I was just was just thinking now, like, oh, here's the one random game. I guess it was against the Red Sox, who are pretty good offensively, but you would hope he wouldn't give up seven runs in an inning. Uh, so, But, yeah, pitching definitely a little easier to predict. So if you're listening out there, fantasy owners, don't be hoarding the batters. I know this, it sounds like a good idea um, to maybe hold, like, three speed guys, but learn from me. Like, you don't need to keep Drew Stubbs at the bottom of your roster uh-huh. just, just for steals. If you think – it's different if you think, like – Carlos Gonzalez is going to get hurt, or Charlie Blackman is a fluke. Okay, maybe maybe you can convince me on that. But just keep it on because you're like, hey, when I need steals, I'm putting in Jared Dyson. When I need steals, I'm putting in true stuff. Like, that doesn't work. It has never, ever worked. Uh, so just don't do it.
0: No, you, also get, you also get the teams that think, oh, I'm going to take this good batter and keep him on my bench, and I'll trade him. No, you're not. He was on the waiver wire for a reason. I yeah. mean, you know
1: that's always frustrating when somebody like picks up a hot guy and then tries to trade him to you so, like if I wanted him I would have just added him before you did like it's not exactly I don't want this guy uh, Something we have to do a whole show one night about just um, <laughs> like the types yeah. of fantasy owners you will meet in your leagues I don't know if I told you this actually in our uh, league with Chris and Fabian the Flighting for Jude, I am in – one of the guys who plays with it is in another random league of mine. Like, just randomly, we ended up in the same league because they're both posted on, like, Roto forums. Um, So it's, like, the most strange coincidence that has ever happened to me in my life. (sighs) So now that we've gone down that tangent. um, Last night, I honestly had a fantasy baseball draft last night, two weeks into the season, um, which is one of the weirder things that has ever happened to me. Uh, but I had to pick second. So we had, I had to think like, do I take into account what's happened? The stats are sort of rolling over from what has happened already. Oh, but interesting. So yeah, since it's been a bunch of games, like they didn't want you to feel like, Oh, I can't draft player X, Y, or Z because they, um, like they, like they've maybe their hot streaks training down or something. So we're getting whatever they, they went with, um, Second pick. I've had the second pick in three drafts this year, which is just kind of torturous because I really wanted my trout in at least one league. But anyway, we went with Stanton um, second, which I thought was a pretty pretty solid pick, especially because he hit a home run tonight. If you had the second pick oh. today, Joe, where would you go? And you can, you know, obviously stats crude already would count. So would you would you go maybe Miguel Cabrera or would you just stick with the, the normal thing, the normal like Goldschmidt, McCutcheon, Stanton kind of guys?
0: Yeah, I'm still sticking with the the pre-rankings at this point. It's still early enough. I mean, we see people have bad April all the time, bad two, three weeks, four-week starts, and then just blow up. I mean, and they they get back to their normal stats every single year. I'm not worried about Stanton one bit. That offense is so much better around him that he should have a much better season. Um, well, I don't know if you can say much better season. Yeah, last he was, year, he was, last year was crazy. Year. He was going to be MVP had he not gotten hurt. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I think Stanton was the right pick. I I had him number two uh, on on a lot of my draft boards. Um, the couple different leagues, a couple different setups. I, I had him um, three or four, but yeah, either either one of those guys would have been my pick after Trout.
1: Yeah, it's hard to get power. Like, it's hard to get 40 home run power now. Um, I wonder what it was like to play fantasy baseball when people were consistently hitting, like, 56, 60 home runs. That would have been an interesting interesting uh, case study. It's like most guys now, besides Stanton, who I to get 37 last year, I think the highest is like, 32. Like, that's not that many home runs from when we grew up and Mark McGuire was hitting 70. Um the one guy who actually fell really far, he fell to, like, the eighth or ninth pick, I think, was Paul Goldschmidt, uh, which seems strange to me. But after watching very closely, like, oddly closely to the Diamondbacks play this season, they just look awful.
0: Do you? They do.
1: Like, uh, they—I cannot, I cannot understand how they built this team. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do. Maybe they're just trying to bottom out, like the Astros in secret. But, I mean, it is only a few games. Do you think Goldschmidt's stock drops because uh, his supporting cast is so abysmal?
0: Um, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that was I, easy. The
0: <laughs> Funny you bring up Paul Goldschmidt. In my FSWA League, Fantasy Sports Writers Association League, I had the ninth pick and picked Jose Abreu. Okay. And was actually kind of surprised he fell to number nine. Um, the guy who had number five got Goldschmidt because Kershaw got drafted ahead of him. So the normal, um, the normal three plus plus Kershaw got drafted ahead of Gold Goldschmidt, um, and then traded me like two days before the season started. He wanted to trade me. Initially, he sent me Goldschmidt and Middlebrooks for Britton and Abreu, and I was like, "Well, I don't want Middlebrooks." He nobody
1: nobody nobody wants, nobody Middlebrook. wants Middlebrooks. <laughs>
0: And I'm especially not giving you the closer of the Orioles for Middlebrooks, basically, at that point. So I said no, and then he just sent me Goldschmidt for a Brave, and I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, they're pretty even, really, Like, but I like the extra speed, maybe a little bit better at batting average, but it's actually an OBP league, so probably a better OBP. Um, Yeah. A better the, guy. the power is negligible, probably maybe have maybe a little bit favored for Abreu if he can keep up the pace he had in the first half last year. And if he falls into second half Abreu of last year, it's definitely gonna be Goldie. So I was much happier taking the more proven guy who's done it multiple years than Abreu who's done it once. Um I like Abreu, but I was shocked that he wanted to make me that trade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Goldie's fine. He's, I mean, he's already had three home runs, stolen two bases, batting 340. You know, it's a bad lineup. His his RBIs might be down a little bit this year, but I think the rest of the stats are going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be fine. I just heard – my only concern is uh, the RBIs. Um I'm a little worried he's going to have like an Anthony Rizzo year from last year, where he hits 29 home runs but has like 80 RBIs. Just because yeah, that's people, possible because people because people in front of him just don't get on base. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's not like I, the
0: Diamondbacks were great last year, and he, you know, before he got hurt, he had 19 and 69.
1: Yeah, that's you make so. a good point. You make a good point. <laughs> I mean,
0: he will figure it out.
1: The I'm guy's just, good. Sh- I'm, just so corrupt- to it. <laughs> I'm so corrupted by. Uh, having to watch like Aaron Hill was the starting second baseman for me in one league. And then he lost the job. So I've been watching closely to see where he's playing, if he's playing um, and he's not playing very well. So I'm probably just going to cut the cord there and go and move on. But just watching and like I feel bad for Goldsmith having to look around and be like, this is the team that I am on. These are the, these are the table setters. AJ Pollock. I have, I think it's a pretty good player. Um, I don't know if Ender in Kiarte, can keep up this torrid pace he's on. Probably but, not. Uh, <laughs> I I seriously doubt Ender Inciarte keeps it up. But I I don't know. It's just it's a little worrisome to me that he has he really doesn't have a lot around him. But I mean, oh well. This is a nice transition actually because Tomas just got called up uh, last night. Yeah,
0: he's gonna be a bench. He's gonna be a bench bat for now until he can get his defense up the up the par. But I uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's gonna matter too much.
1: Like, did you mean it's not going to matter because he's not going to play or not going to matter because his bat's going to get him into the lineup?
0: I don't know if he's really going to play all that much. I mean, they've already said he's going to be coming off the bench. There's really not a spot. I mean, I think eventually they're going to try and force him in there. But he actually wasn't batting very well in the minors. He was only batting 190.
1: Yeah. It's hard. Like, I think this recent... Streak of Cuban success to sort of maybe made people a little too zealous in picking it, like going for the Cuban, going into the Cuban pool with Puig yep. and then Um I don't know. I think it could be really good. I have never seen him play. Uh, are they going to? Do you think they're going to try to stick him at the outfield, like a corner outfield, or they're going to try to jam him in at third?
0: No, I think I think the third base experiment is is done. They <laughs> uh, they, I think in the minors if I'm not mistaken I think they were just playing him in the outfield so I think the third base the third base experiment is all but done
1: I thought that was weird when they um again like I don't follow the Diamondbacks that close I didn't follow the Diamondbacks that closely cuz now obviously I'm their number 1 fan but I, it was interesting to me when they were like, "Oh, we're going to take our third baseman and move him to the outfield." it's like, "Oh, I guess he's not that good at third base." And I read some of the reports that it was like he's the worst third baseman ever. That he made Mark Trumbo look good as a third baseman. I was like, "Wow, like what?" I guess they they wanted him in the lineup, um, especially because they already have Trumbo in left field. Like where where are they going to put Tomás? I guess a right fielder just doesn't seem like they got a lot of room for for that kind of another slow plotting outfielder. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean it was. It's more yeah they they have a fairly decent outfield. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of depth in the outfield actually. With, with I mean, Trumbo's too good of a bat to take out of the lineup, even though his defense probably isn't all that great. Pollock's good, Peralta and Ciarte, um, you know, third base they had the the prospect Lamb who, who's okay, um, but I think they they were hoping that he would. Play better than Lamb, and that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, even in the outfield, like, where is he going to go? I mean, I guess, yeah, he's on the depth chart right now. He's behind Mark Trumbo. Um, I don't, I don't think defensively you can stick him in left field behind Peralta and Enciarte. Definitely not in center. So yeah, it's going to take an injury to get him in the lineup consistently. I think. Um, Third base, I think, is out of the question. Lamb's actually playing very well. So yeah, I, I think he's... that's 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 gone. That, that position is Lamb's, and Tomas is going to have to figure something else out.
1: Tomas seems like a much better fit for the AL. He would be a great DH.
0: DH, um, exactly.
1: But the NL and their classic roots do not want a DH, so he's just stuck trying to play defense when he knows he probably shouldn't. Um, all right, so we have about five minutes left. Last thing I wanted to touch on is which uh, which pitchers have sort of surprised you early in the season, because uh, everybody always talks about regression candidates, uh, breakout stars, and I feel like a lot of that happens more with the pitching um, than just hitters. Has any pitching stood out to you that you were like, "Wow, this guy's pitching a lot better than I thought he would"? And again, they probably only had a few starts, but has anything uh, sort of jumped out in your uh, in your mind?
0: Um, I think uh, it's always Aaron Harang doing doing what Harang does, starting out really fast. Uh, we talked about Ubaldo; he has a good start. Bartolo Colon. Bartolo uh, I, mean,
1: Colon. That, I cannot. The be. guy,
0: <laughs> I cannot believe him. Um, it funny enough, I actually took him in our big forty team dynasty just because I was like, well, why not? Um, and yeah, he's done pretty well. Um, Trevor Bauer is a guy that I cannot wrap my head around. He, he just – I think if I had to pick one to talk about, it's going to be Trevor Bauer. The strikeouts are crazy, 19 in 12 innings. But the fact yeah. that he only has 12 – like he had a no-hitter in his first game through six innings, and he, he still got pulled in 11 strikeouts. The reason why – he had 111 pitches through six innings, five walks. His control yeah, that... is still not there. Something's I I can't I still can't trust the guy. And I actually wrote about him, um, in one of my articles, um, uh, on 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 Fantasy Six Pack actually I think it's the one I wrote it on, um, because he got obviously he got scooped up, big time. His percentage owned went sky through the roof. Everybody sees Trevor Bauer, 11 Ks, no hits, no runs do six innings and goes, Oh man, he's back. He or he's gonna he's finally arrived. He's gonna be here. Careful. Five walks first game, four walks last game, four hits in the last game. The strikeouts are great. He's got two wins. The ERA and the whip are great um because he's limiting the hits, but he's still only able to go through six innings. Eventually that's gonna come to bite him in the you know where. So <laughs>
1: um yeah, Trevor just, Bauer is definitely an interesting. He watching that that first no hitter he had, or the the no hitter through six. It was very interesting to watch. Oh, strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, walk, strikeout. Like, yeah, was, I mean, nobody he, was hitting the ball, but nobody was like half the people were getting on base. Yeah, I
0: mean he he's got he's got a one ninety bad BIP right now. That's just not gonna happen. <laughs> he's he's stranding eighty five percent of his batters.
1: Well, it could uh, happen. It'll just be the greatest pitching season ever. <laughs> <laughs> sure, from Trevor Power, yeah, who right.
0: has struggled every single time he has been called up. Um,
1: yeah, I just,
0: I just don't see it. Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, the guy's still young. Maybe he finally figures some stuff out. I mean, I think he will be a serviceable pitcher. He's just not going to be this good. Um, yeah, the
1: uh, the guy that was standing out to me uh, most was Giordano uh, Ventura on the, yeah. the Royals. And he got, he's, I think I pulled both times early because of cramps or some sort of injury, which is a shame because he was pretty much cruising through most of those games. He was. Um, but just, he, like, he was the third starter. He was the third starter last year. And I just didn't think, uh, I didn't think he'd be ready to step up and fill that James Shields void so easily. But he definitely, he definitely seems to be all that he was, uh, Expected of, and that guy that guy throws the ball hard. So yeah, I'm afraid
0: happens, his arm's gonna fall off one of these days. He he's got a he's one of the hardest throwers in the game. You're just kind of waiting for it to happen, but you know, hopefully it doesn't. You know, you never want to see the the Tommy Johns, but yeah, you you kind of just cross your fingers every time he goes out there.
1: Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't throw a ton of uh, I guess sliders or split fingers or anything. So I have more faith in his arm. But, um, yeah, Giordano Ventura is my pick for the early breakout pitcher candidate. Uh, right, actually, you know what? Bartello Cologne gets it he's, <laughs> he's insane. But, uh, Joe, oh, I want to no thank Aaron you. <laughs> Aaron
0: Harang, love.
1: Aaron I feel like, does the first one. He dominates, and then after that. If he keeps going after that. But, uh, Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm glad this your Skype worked. We got you in yeah. here. Um, you're becoming quite a regular guest. We'll have to uh, – talk again soon about, you know, Chandler Park, how our pickups are doing and all that good stuff. And J.J. Hardy. So Hopefully one so, of these days we'll come back on all of my teams. Hopefully one day we'll be <laughs> back and playing. But uh, until next week, guys, this has been the So-Called Fantasy Expert Podcast. Catch you next week.
0: With the Lucky Lance you can get lucky just about
1: anywhere.